The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 5. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. I'd like to uh, begin with prayer. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you this morning for your word, and we pray that as we hear it this morning, that you would give us open hearts, open minds, and teachable spirits. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For the last four weeks, we have been focusing on creation, using the seasons of creation uh, lectionary and scripture from that. And each week we've had the opportunity to hear about a different part of God's creation. We've heard about forests, about rivers, bees, last week storms, and today our theme is oceans. And when I got the choice, I wanted to pick oceans because I happen to love the ocean, and I've lived most of my life near the ocean or a body of water like the Puget Sound, and even though it's not the ocean, I think it's, it's pretty close. And yesterday, as my husband and I were riding the ferry, and it was a beautiful day, I was just in marvel of God's beautiful, beautiful creation, and we get to enjoy that so much here in, uh, in the Northwest. Well, there's something about the ocean in particular that is mesmerizing. Sitting on a beach, watching the waves crest and fall, watching surfers try to catch waves and ride them into shore. My happy place is at that beach, a beach in Maui, where you can sit on the shore and actually see the whales playing from the shore, playing out in the ocean, breaching 
and playing out there. And closer to shore, you can observe sea turtles. And while snorkeling, you can see the many varieties of fish and sea life just under the water. It is a wonderful natural aquarium. And we not only enjoy the beauty of the warm sand and refreshing water, but also are fed by the varieties of fish and seafood caught just offshore. I try to soak in and savor those moments on that particular beach in Maui. However, on one such trip in January of 2018, we received a real scare while enjoying that first cup of coffee on our lanai, my husband and I getting ready for our morning walk, we were interrupted by a sound that sounded like a, a loud alarm coming from our phones. It was something that I'd never heard before. And so upon reading the message, I became even more alarmed. The message read, there have been missiles launched from North Korea headed toward Hawaii. Please go to your nearest bomb shelter immediately. This is not a test. Well, my first response was shock and disbelief. This can't be happening. We're in Maui. It's, this is, it's a beautiful day. And I had no idea what to do, and neither did my husband, although I don't think he was quite as worried as I was. I thought to myself, well, where is the bomb shelter? And since we were in a, a condo, I decided to call the concierge. I mean, at the time, that seemed to make sense to me. And when I got the concierge, he reassured me that it was probably a false alarm, not to worry. This was Maui. Maui was naturally protected uh, among all the islands, and we would all be fine. And I said, but it says this is for real. This is not a test. So can you tell me where is the shelter? And he said, and he said to me, ma'am, there is no shelter. And then I said, so, well, what's the plan? <laughs> to which he said, there is no plan. <laughs> and then I really began to panic. And probably sensing my panic, he said to me, can I make you reservations for this evening? conversation. And then I hung up and I started praying and I began texting my kids to let them know how much I love them because I wanted that to be the last thing they heard. Well, we turned on the news and nothing about this was on the news and I decided, well, maybe we could shelter in the bathroom. Was that the safest place? Then as we waited, I began to think about losing everyone I loved. And then I thought about the ocean. And I thought about the beautiful creatures living there, about the whales and the sea turtles and the colorful fish just swimming around with no idea what was about to happen. And that's when we heard the announcement. It came on the news, all clear. It was a false alarm, and someone had set off that alarm by mistake. I would hate to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> to say we were relieved was an understatement. But for me, it was like a wake-up call. 
And sometimes when you have those kind of crisis moments, you begin to see things differently. And it was like for the first time, I really saw what a gift this life is and what a beautiful creation we have and how in a moment it could all be gone. And it gave me pause not to take it for granted. Now I share this story today because I think it can serve as sort of a parable about climate change and about how, how we choose to respond when the alarm is going off. And it says, this is not a test. Climate change activists have told us for years that we are on a course to destroying our oceans, our planet. The missiles have left, and we have just a short time to come up with a plan to turn things around before it's too late. One such young activist, Greta Thunberg, the 17-year-old, who has drawn a lot of attention during these past few weeks, who herself crossed an ocean on a sailboat so there would be no carbon footprint left, came to the U.S. to address the U.N. on climate change. And she warned that we have about eight and a half years left before things will go beyond the tipping point to reverse the harm we have done. She is a 17-year-old prophet. She's sounding the alarm. Will we listen? Will we hear? How will we choose to respond? Well, turning to the scripture for today, we hear a conversation between God and Job, where God is now the one who is responding to Job's cries. God speaks, and he says this, And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me. I wrapped it in soft clothes and tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen, so it could not run loose. And I said, stay here, this is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. That's the message translation. The notes from my Lutheran Bible, a study Bible says this. In the ancient Near East, the sea was seen as a symbol and force of chaos. So it would make sense that in ancient Mesopotamia and Canaanite literature, there are stories about the gods conquering and defeating the sea before creation could happen. In contrast, the God of the Hebrews doesn't defeat the sea, but creates it. God is like a midwife who attends the birth of the sea. And the sea is not so much a force of chaos as it is a rambunctious infant who needs to be restrained so that it doesn't hurt itself or others. A strikingly positive image compared to the negative portrayal of the sea in much of Near Eastern ancient literature. I like that image of God as midwife 
birthing and nurturing creation versus God as a warrior defeating and dominating creation. Well, I find that to be very important in the way that we think about this gift of creation. That God's the creator who made the earth and the seas and the creatures in it and called it all good. The psalmist echoes this in Psalm 104. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There goes the ships, the Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. As we were talking about this in the noon Bible study, we're talking about when you are looking at the ocean or in the middle of the ocean, you feel so small. As one woman put it in our text study, it's like you're a cork floating around. You know, we are such a teeny tiny part of this beautiful creation. And yet, we have such a great impact on the care or lack of care for it. So we're told by those who know the science, the consequences of our actions, that polar ice caps are melting and the oceans will rise by nine feet, causing a drastic shift of the boundaries, the limits that God set in creation. And the pollution caused by our garbage, our waste, is killing off coral reefs, feeding grounds for many fish and sea life, affecting our ecosystems. So what's the plan? Well, there is a story in the Bible about a handful of fishermen who are in a boat just off the lake of Gennesaret. They had gone fishing and caught nothing all night long. And they were probably wondering the same thing. What's the plan now? What do we do now that we have no fish? So when Jesus, who is in their boat, but who had not been out there with them all night long, suggested a plan, they didn't think it was a very good one. When Jesus said, just go out a little farther and put your nets down, just try that. They were like, Jesus, seriously? We just spent all night long working out there. We caught nothing. But Simon said, okay. Okay, Jesus, if you say so, we'll try it. Now I wonder if Peter was just trying to humor Jesus, or if he had listened to Jesus' teaching and thought, you know, maybe this guy, maybe he's worth listening to. And after all, what did they have to lose? So they let down their nets. And the moment they do, they begin to fill it up with fish. And it must have been almost amusing watching all those fish just jump into the nets. So many jumping into the nets that they were about to break. And they even had to call their fishing buddies in the nearest boat to help them. 
And then soon both boats were filled up to the point of sinking. God has a sense of humor. Who created the sea and all its creatures, huh? Well, Peter's reaction was complete and utter humility. He fell to his knees and he begs Jesus to leave him as he is too much of a sinner, a human to be around this holy, immortal, superhuman. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he offers him and his fellow fishermen a new fishing assignment to fish for people. And they leave everything, nets and all, to follow him. Well, it's a great story. It's a story of doubt and faith. And in contrast to the story that I began with, there is good news, hope. There is a plan. When the fishermen were discouraged, Jesus had a plan. And they tried it. And it was more than they ever hoped for. And they were so compelled by this Jesus that they dropped everything, dedicating their lives to follow him. Well, I believe this is where our hope lies, too. Not so much in the goodness of humankind, but in the goodness of God who created us. You know, we too may feel our own sinfulness. I know, going through this creation series, I certainly have felt my own complicity, my own neglect. I have fallen short in the care of God's creation. We may, like the disciples on that day, feel discouraged by how great a task it seems in front of us. Even when we try, and I know I'm preaching the choir here, when we do recycle, when we reuse, when we buy reusable bottles to drink out of, and remember to bring our bags into grocery stores, Whatever it is, when we try to, try to do our little part, sometimes the magnitude of the world's pollution and waste can feel overwhelming, and we can too wonder if we've worked all night and caught nothing. But Jesus calls us to go deeper, to keep letting down our nets. And by the way, he has a new assignment for us to follow him. And the disciples did that, and they caused a revolution, and they changed the way people thought about God, and they brought about change by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people got caught up in the good news. And that's the same good news that catches us and compels us to action. So I think this is our challenge today. Our challenge is, how do we respond to Jesus' call to follow? And I think this goes beyond sharing the gospel to taking action. You know, I hear the critique from those who have left the church, from our young people, that we talk, but a lot of times they don't see the action. And we as a community of faith need to 
fall on our knees. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And then change can truly happen. And we need, we'll need others. We'll need extra boats to help bring in the load of fish and band together to bring about change needed to this beautiful creation. Well, I want to close with a hopeful story because it can all seem overwhelming. And this is a story about a group of fishermen who are making a difference by helping clean up our oceans. Four Oceans' mission statement is this. We're here to clean the ocean and coastlines while working to stop the inflow of plastic by changing consumption habits one pound at a time. I'm going to show you just a little bit about what they do. Right after college, we took a surf trip to the number one surf destination in the world, Bali, Indonesia. We saw something that would change our entire outlook on the ocean forever. What we saw was a bunch of plastic washed up on the shoreline. I walked up to a lifeguard and said, how come no one's doing anything to clean this plastic? He responded with, we clean it every morning. This is just what happens. By the afternoon, all the wind and tides would bring in more plastic. There was just so much. We realized that there was a serious problem with the plastic pollution. And we saw fishermen pushing their boats through tons of plastic, only to come back with empty nets. And they were working all day. So we kind of saw this and asked them, how much money are you guys making for a living? They were not making that much money going out and catching fish, so we just kind of realized that we could shift the demand from paying them to go and catch fish to go out and get ocean plastic, that we could create a sustainable business model that would be both beneficial for Bali and Indonesia as well as the fishermen. So Alex and I brought that idea with us back home and came up with this crazy idea where what if we can create an economy to have the fishermen shift gears from seafood to plastic? What if we can hire people and create jobs to collect plastic for a living? From that, we took the model of the fishermen weighing the fish per pound and we decided to pay the locals per pound. And before you know it, Four Ocean was born. Now, we've become the world's largest ocean cleanup company employing captains and crews seven days a week cleaning the ocean and coastlines. We've operated out of 27 different countries and to date, we've removed over 2 million pounds of trash from the ocean. So what's the plan for saving our planet? Well, I want to close with these words of Jesus, just as a reminder, don't be afraid. There is a plan, and you and I are a part of it. Thanks be to God. Amen.